I'm John. And I'm David. And you're listening to the Autocorrect Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we have uh, we haven't had an episode out every week uh, this month. We've we had uh, some issues with scheduling with finals and everything, but we are back and we will be through the end of the year and hopefully well into next year be consistent. Um, before we get into today's episode, uh, I want to talk about we next week are going to be starting with the Seb episode, Sebastian Vettel, to kick off our deep dive section for this the end of this year and then we're gonna have the probably two main deep dive episodes to round out the year yeah one will probably come out on wednesday and the other one will be on saturday yeah so look forward to those and then we you know we have plenty of stuff coming for the after the new year but I was able to go down to the Mystic Seaport earlier today and watch the hauling of the uh, L.A. Dunton fishing schooner, which is a tall ship. And they had uh, Bay Crane was there and Astro Cranes. Uh, We're Bay Crane's biggest fans, by the way, for those of you that don't know. Yeah, really. Um, if you go check out our Instagram, is the Autocorrect Podcast. Uh, we actually, I put up a post of a bunch of the pictures I was able to get. David wasn't able to go to that, but the... Both the cranes were Liebherr cranes, and that's where our episode is going to start. Yeah. So we, uh, David and I, both are big big crane fans. Yeah, um, part of the reason we're going to Con Expo this year, or next year rather, is uh, to go see the new offerings from Liebherr. They, uh, they really have revolutionized the mobile crane market, and actually the crawler crane market too. Yeah, and... There, we may or may not have been perusing marketplace recently and found a five axle uh, for sale. Um, so may or may not have. We we're not no, going to talk about it. Yep. Um, but we also may or may not have gone to the Ritchie Brothers auction yesterday and saw a fifty ton Grove crane that we really should have bought but didn't because it went way cheaper than we were expecting it to. But we're not salty about that at all. I'm so upset. <laughs> I am so upset. It went so cheap. It's literally worth double of what it went for in scrap. And I'm upset. Yeah, I but am too. We weren't paying attention when when the auction was live. But anyways, um, the two cranes that they have there, they had a seven axle and eight axle, which are like the 400 ton mark in terms of yeah the those LTM sizes. 1400 and the LTM 1450 so a 400 ton and a 450 ton respectively yeah um these are big cranes and uh they were setting up i think Astro was there yesterday uh and then Bay Crane was there this morning Bay Crane obviously a much larger operation and a much larger crane and uh they're more there are there are some more serious uh <laughs> operation they're more tightly scheduled but yeah, ask me about how I know how difficult it is to schedule a crane. Yeah, really. We we I've worked on a couple jobs with Bay Crane before, and it is always a small miracle if you can schedule it properly, because uh, most of those cranes are booked out to the hour, eight months in advance. Yeah. So it can be pretty difficult, especially if you're a contractor like uh, like what we do, and sort of have these things come up suddenly. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, actually, you know, 
there's really only Bay Crane and Maxim and Astro that operate in this area. Oh, and Smedley. Yeah, but there's what four companies? Yeah. So and Maxim does mostly rentals, anyways. Yeah, and Maxim is an international corporation, so yeah, they're they're bigger than uh, Bay Crane, but Bay Crane does the does the operations side. Um, they do some sales and things, but they they do the operations side. Yeah. So, uh, not a bad business to get into, especially. Uh, you'll see companies like Air Crane and everybody also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they had uh, some pretty big cranes there, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing Liebherr in uh, March. So we decided two things. We wanted to do this episode, which we'll explain in a second, and we also wanted to talk about Liebherr, and we'll also get into Piston Bully later, um, yeah. another German company. But so we German decided, engineering at its finest is yeah. what this is today. So we decided to put them together. So today, this episode was written by AI. Well, at least part of it was. Yeah. The, the, whole, the whole beginning part, that was our nonsense. That was not written by a computer. So the title of this episode is going to be, this episode was written by AI. But what this is going to be is we're going to talk about this. And at some point, we're going to transition into the script that the AI gave us and then transition back out for Piston Bully and Liebherr. And we'll tell you guys at the end exactly what, where the sentences were that we uh, transitioned into it. And, you know, if you want, you can head over to our uh, Instagram page and follow us there and check out the post when this goes live and tell us if you were able to figure out, if you were able to tell if the AI script was natural or not, which is pretty cool. We've been messing around with it. It's a new technology. It's, it's kind of taken social media by storm and, and a lot of people i think it had like a million users in the first week it it was huge we're using open ai for those of you that don't know about it yeah so it's it's open source uh, i had access to dolly when it was in beta but all these things are public uh now so same company i think yeah it's all open yeah. ai yeah or whatever open ai's parent company is yeah so yeah, so Liebherr is they focus mainly on construction equipment and mining equipment. Um they have a couple other things they do, like refrigerators. Yeah, that was wild when I found out about that. But <laughs> yeah, one thing I you, do you wanna... called me at like ten o'clock at night and we you were like look at you found the Liebherr refrigerator page. And I got pretty excited about that. And so did you. Yeah. You know what's funny is there's a really famous off-grid uh, mansion, like cabin build in Colorado. And there was like this, I think a bunch of people, a bunch of the like real estate YouTubers and like uh, Diesel Dave and, and uh, Heavy D, you know, Smart Sparks Brothers. And uh, they did a video on it also. And they opened the fridge and it was a Liebherr fridge. That's funny. And you could see it said Liebherr on the thing, which was which was so funny. It was not something I expected, but that was like not soon, not long after. One thing I do want to just mention about Liebherr is they have this amazing opportunity that I hope they seize. I know they'll seize it in Europe. Hopefully, they seize it here in the U.S. too. And that's the haul truck market, because here in the U.S. we don't have any good haul trucks. Yeah, they... there's a very specific yellow manufacturer of haul trucks that can't build a transmission to save their life. They're all yellow. There's another very specific... 
manufacturer of haul trucks that happens to paint them yellow as well that can't build engines to save their lives. To paint them, they're all construction yellow. So Leaf Hair coming Uh, in here with their white trucks. Yeah, if you guys go check out Aaron Witt on YouTube and the, I think, was that what the original Eberhard video? I don't don't remember. That was the Leaf Hair tour video and the Europe trip earlier this year in May. Right. Yeah, so as you can probably tell from listening to our other episode we that's a lot of what we listen to is dirt talk and and a lot of the the trade side of things uh youtube heavy equipment and that kind of stuff other than engineering we're into that also yeah both of us have a pretty extensive background in in earthwork yeah so Liebherr is a really interesting company and they are well known across the world uh, especially in europe but across the world and they are, I would say they're most well-known for their cranes more than, yeah, than anything. Probably. The cranes are probably, probably... their cranes and their mining equipment, the mining are, equipment. are what they are most well-known for. I think, I think out of anything, if I had to pick one, it would definitely be cranes because yeah. you see them on job sites and, and cities across the world. Well, well the, the thing world. is, is that Leap Hair is starting to become, so Leap Hair is probably the biggest crane manufacturer in the U.S. Um, in the U.S., we also have the Manitowoc Group which encompasses Manitowoc crawler cranes, Grove mobile cranes, and uh, Potan uh, tower cranes. Yeah. Liebherr does that all under the same Liebherr name, but I think Liebherr is larger than Manitowoc even in the U.S. Yeah. But Liebherr is like what Cat is to us in the U.S., but for the rest of the world. As I said before, Liebherr is a German company and was founded in 1949 by Hans Liebherr. And the company was initially focused on producing cranes and other construction equipment, but now they have diversified into other fields, uh, mining, but aerospace and the refrigeration, um, which is funny because I think they have like actual commercial refrigeration. Yeah, they do. And the aerospace side of things is mostly turbine jet and or turbine engine components. Um, I don't think that you can just buy a Liebherr turbine engine. I think they specifically make components for them, but I could be wrong about that. So Hans Liebherr started the company with a small workshop in Germany. But yeah, so everything is produced under the Liebherr name. They don't really have any subsidiaries like other companies here in the U.S. do. As we've said, they were mainly in Europe, but in the 70s and well 1970s and 80s uh they 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 that's when they kind of spread more into the mining and aerospace industries I, you know they got their start as a tower crane company they weren't much of a tower in the in 1949 but you know they got there eventually and uh they've made some pretty cool stuff they do they are making some really cool equipment and you can find online there's there's a lot of videos of some of their new equipment. We're not going to keep naming names, but Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah. I mean, when we, when we do our Europe trip, we'll, we'll definitely stop at the the factory. What's cool about Europe is they've kind of been forced into developing their construction systems and their different development systems more than the U S and in a place like Europe where you have a lot less space and you're recycling more and there's less 
of everything compared to the U.S., which is huge. It's they've been, you know, they have to use rail systems more, and they have to optimize their equipment more, and they have spent more specialized equipment, which is something that we've talked about before. Another big factor with Europe uh, is that they had this little thing called World War II happened in their backyard. So pretty much all of their infrastructure had to be rebuilt in the late 1940s. Yeah. So they, they are more advanced than us in terms of construction. Absolutely. Uh, No, there is, there's no denying that. And um, we've talked about this in previous episode, but look at something like a cat 315 VA that doesn't really exist here in the U S such a versatile machine. It hardly exists here in the U S Stutzman is the only one that I know that run those regularly. 336 VA. We're not talking about that. We are not talking about that today. I don't have the mental capacity. Yeah, but they're they're really cool. And we've seen a lot of innovation from Liebherr and other companies. Menzi. Mechelec. Mechelec. Mechelec is a French company. Menzi is a German company. Menzi is Swiss. Swiss. Or, or, Swiss. Sorry. Swiss. Now I'm getting them mixed up because we're talking about so many European <laughs> companies now. <laughs> Liebherr is German. Mechelec is French. Um, Menzi, Menzi Mon- is uh, Swiss. Uh, Swiss. And Hudig is Swedish. And uh, Piston Bully is also German, which is the other company that we're going to focus on for this episode. But yeah, there's there's been a lot of companies with really cool innovations. And now you're always going to have the people that are like, oh computerization your machines are going to fail whatever but you know what we're not in the 60s anymore people like to have a cab so you're not breathing in carcinogens and dying in heat and yeah computers sometimes they fail but we also have this thing called diagnostic software we also have this thing called just advanced technology that isn't your 1960s like tape reel computer um so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it allows us to do more advanced things. There's always going to pe- be people that aren't comfortable with the, the change, which is you know understandable, but that's not going to stop anybody from advancing. The major downside of advancement is tier four final. Tier zero. More power. Anyways, yeah, so Piston Bully is also a brand that uh, even if you don't recognize the name, you'll recognize it when you see it uh, because what many people see in is there's they're, they're, uh, snow groomers, there's snow cats, yeah, as they, they're referred to. There's snow groomers, the company name is Piston Bully, and their logo is a giant K. Yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to, we're not gonna, don't worry about it. But <laughs> the, it's it's actually pretty cool. And another, uh, there's Prinoth, which is also They're another, Italian, believe it or not. Yeah, and so Prinoth is also known as snow groomers, and they there's well, they're known for their tracked vehicles, tracked vehicles, and that's the thing. They're known for their snow groomers and other things. Piston Bully focus has that. Has so, so Piston Bully pretty much only makes snow groomers and silage packers, right? And the silage packers are just the snow groomers with different tracks on them and yeah. a different blade. Yeah, but um, Prinoth makes a whole line of tracked vehicles and just tracked chassis, so they do make. They're snow groomer uh, machines, but they also make tracked dump trucks and they make tracked lift platforms and yep. they, they make all sorts of other equipment. I've Pr- even Pranoth seen... Is, uh, Pranoth is associated with CAT for their U.S. operations at the, at the, in the least. Yeah, so Piston Bully is a really cool company and most people will recognize them because they're the big red 
snow groomers on ski slopes. Uh, and there's sometimes other colors, but there's you, you usually only have Piston Bully or Pranoth, and Piston Bully is definitely more well-known or more common, even in the U.S. So, But they, they're really technologically advanced. There's been a lot of innovations. They have uh, diesel electric, which is a really efficient technology is also how uh, locomotives work freight 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 trains um, it's also what uh edison motors is working on too which is something we will cover in another episode entirely yeah that's a canadian company but they have hybrids and whatever you want to call it diesel electric um i think they might be working on an electric one but i can't remember i believe they are i think it's in the late stages of prototype uh Unfortunately, Piston Bully will not be at Con Expo, so we won't have any. Uh, so we won't have any content from that, as yeah. most of their U.S. market share is in uh, slope grooming. They and, don't have yeah. a huge market share of the silage packer industry here because uh, that's mostly John Deere and Printoff There's, that do it here in the U.S. They have like I don't I've not seen a U.S. silage packer yet. I haven't I haven't I've seen, seen one once in Vermont. Yeah, it, it's not well. Yeah, that's because it probably came from ski slope. Yeah. So yeah, it's they're known for their snow grooming machines, and they have uh, some new models. They just came out with a new four hundred, which that was earlier this year. And yeah, uh, there are a lot of really interesting advancements that they made on the four hundred, and it's very interesting to see what they're able to do at the price point of the four hundred. The six hundred E, I think it's called, is the uh, Diesel electric one has a pretty steep price tag, but yeah. the the tech that comes with it is is what really justifies the price. When you start reading through the specifications, you're like, ah, that's why it costs this much. Yeah, they're pretty advanced vehicles, and I think the cheapest one is like a hundred fifty thousand or that's for the one hundred two hundred. I think for the one hundred, um, and then there are other variations. You have your your diesel electric ones. You have the uh, you have ones that have the tiller, don't have the tiller. Ones that have the winch have crew carriers on the back. There's all these different, uh, you know, configurations. But let's talk about the actual history a little bit. So, the company was founded in 1952 uh, by uh, I don't know. It's Anton. I think it's Prol, but I'm not sure. In Germany, um, he was a ski instructor. And saw a need to have a more efficient way of grooming the slopes. So that's when the first piston bully prototype was created, uh, which was just a small track vehicle. It's, you know, the same concept, same same basic concept. So they quickly grew. Uh, so by the 1970s, piston bully introduced the 600, which we just talked about. Uh, which was their first, that was actually their first machine that was a designated slope groomer. And that was not just their first machine that was the first slope groomer. It was the first dedicated slope groomer the world had seen. Yeah. So this was the first model that had the tiller and creates that corduroy pattern in the snow and a winch. Uh, so it could be used to move more heavy snow, especially up steep slopes. So, uh, in the 80s, they introduced the Piston Bully 100, which was the smaller, more versatile uh, vehicle that could be used in a lot of conditions and wasn't just for 
grooming. And so that one was more was was popular with ski resorts and, and things that needed a reliable and efficient way to groom and maintain snow trails and not just slopes. Yes. That and, that's the big difference with the one hundred and the even the four hundred is how nimble it is. Yeah, it's smaller. You'll see a lot of the time the one hundred has the crew carry and stuff on it more so than the four hundred. Yeah. Um I saw Actually, somebody I don't think I've ever seen a four hundred with a crew carrier on it. I've only seen I have, but not from factory. Yeah, I've only seen oh well yeah. From factory I've only ever seen one hundred crew carrier. I'm not saying I saw a video of a camper on the back of a four hundred, but I want it and I saw a video of a, I saw that video too. I, I kinda want it. I do um, too. Yeah, if anybody knows anybody that wants to fund an Arctic expedition, uh hit us up because Yeah, we're planning uh, on going in twenty twenty six. Twenty I thought we said twenty four. Or five. Yeah, either twenty five or twenty six. We're planning. I need to finish my masters before. I need I... to finish my undergrad. <laughs> so, yeah. So they are, you know, today they're well known, and they do. They have a lot more. They have a lot more models. I think they have about a dozen or so different models. Um, but they all, they do have like a dozen or so different models, but they all fit under either the one hundred, the four hundred, or the six hundred. Yeah. So which, which are their size classes i guess you could say that's the size class and then there are specific models under those that are you know i'd say there's there's probably there there's there's about between like 12 and 18 models total i think i can, i don't quite remember but there's usually about 3 of each there are 18 models 18 oh i was i was on on my top end yeah but you know, it, it's it's really cool. Uh, they have made some really cool advancements, and on top of that, on top of that, the you know the actual control systems. It uses they used to use a yoke. I think they use a yoke in the in some of them now, and some of the new ones are just joystick controlled. And they're all pilot controlled now. Yeah, which is a pretty big advancement for something well, like that, that. All the updated ones are pilot. Controlled. Yeah, they still produce the other. I think the one hundred still is yoke controlled. Which is really cool, actually. Um, but they've made some really cool advancements. And they're, they're a German company. And we've seen this a lot of, from a lot of the European companies. is They're forced to innovate a lot, even faster than us. Also, I was wrong. They make a 300, which I didn't know about. Oh, that's right. I forgot about the 300. I did, too. Well, actually, I didn't forget about it. I didn't know about it. I knew about it. The... There's a lot of other companies. Well, you know, we've talked about Mechalek and we've talked about um we've talked about Piston Bully in the past, I believe, when we had our Arctic episode, our Arctic uh, series rather, and you know, we've talked about other companies, but these these German companies and the French company, all these different European companies that are competing in a market where they have they have more room to innovate because in Europe, you see a lot more purpose-built machines. Yeah, that that's one thing that uh, Aaron Witt talked a lot about in his Europe trip, is here in the U.S., we'll have something like a Cat 336, which will be used for general excavation, it'll be used for demolition, uh, it could be used for pipe laying, it, it'll be used for anything and everything that a contractor can possibly use it for. Whereas in Europe, they're going to buy three separate machines to do three separate things. They're going to buy, they have machines that do one thing really well, 
and that's what they do. Here in the U.S., we have a machine that does a bunch of things pretty okay. And yeah, it's that's good enough for us. That's not good enough for Europe. Yeah, demo demo mm-hmm. machines here are the closest we get to having actual legitimate like. So, demo machines are interesting because you can put down a boom, pick up another, or pick up a stick that has you know a different geometry and like a processor on it versus a, a material handling uh, grapple or something. And I think here that's really the closest we get to having machines that are purpose built and do one job well. We really we don't see that same uh, other than with some big companies that are really like they go for they they're in one part of the industry and they stay there. We don't see it almost at all. Well, it's not only the specialized companies; it's just having specialized equipment. We don't right. have a lot of specialized equipment. Right in Europe, I mean, there's not necessarily there are companies that specialize in one thing and one thing only, but it's it's not uncommon to see a company like Eberhard right. that, that does a lot of demolition, a lot of material processing, yep. and a little bit of general construction and aggregates too. Right. Or a company like Asheville that does construction, does aggregates, it does waste management. Uh, that That's not so uncommon. But what is uncommon is to see a contractor running a uh, multifunction machine. Yeah. That's uncommon, whereas here that's normal. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I still don't know the real root of that because it, it's, 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 I think it's to a certain degree laziness. We don't want to have, and just the culture of how contracting companies are run here. Yeah. Well, it, that's the other thing is I think they're run on much tighter margins here. So you, a company here may not be able to justify as easily buying, three 50 ton excavators that do three different things where they can buy one 50 ton excavator that does a bunch of things or even two that have that do a bunch of things whereas in europe you'll see a contractor buy you know a 352 uhd a 352 gc and like a a 349f three machines all in the same weight category or weight class rather that do three wildly different things here in the U.S., you're most likely going to see a contractor running one 349F because that's a pretty multifunction machine. Yeah. So before we wrap up this episode, we're going to give you the first parts of the, the two sections that were written by AI, and you can see how how well we were able to... We, we, we read this almost word for word. Um, the, yeah, the AI did a great job of writing it. It's crazy. It's hard. But, we didn't. We didn't want to make it. Obviously, we could. We, we, we didn't want to make it, that, it that obvious. Um, the hardest part was just us integrating it. Yeah. So what, the first part of Liebherr was this. Liebherr is a German company that was founded in 1949 by Hans Liebherr. The company initially focused on producing cranes and other construction equipment. So that was the first part of the Liebherr one, and we proceeded to we interjected a few times in there, but most of the stuff in here. Uh, where they started the company and all that was all written by the AI. The part for Piston Bully is this. Piston Bully is a brand of track vehicles that are used for grooming ski slopes and maintaining snow trails. The company was founded in 1952 by I'm not, and I can't keep slaughtering Anton's name <laughs> in Germany. He was a ski instructor and saw the need for a more efficient way to groom ski slopes. That was the beginning of what the AI wrote. 
the AI did a really good job here of integrating it. And and I used this, I, I was, you know, messing around with this for quite a bit the other night, seeing a what range of things it can do. And it can do even really specialized stuff. It's it's pretty impressive on what it was able to produce. But that's gonna wrap up this episode. Uh we're nearing the end of the year. We're gonna have a few more episodes, but We've we've seen a lot of support this year. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We have been putting a lot more into it this year. Previous year, we uh, didn't have as much time. This year, we had some problems. I had some medical issues I had to deal with. So we didn't uh, produce as many episodes as we would have liked, but we did a lot more than last year, and we saw uh, a big jump in. We did a lot more, and we also greatly increased our production quality. Yeah. And we had our first two guests on this year, which was a pretty big milestone, at least for us. Yeah. And we have uh, at least one or two more we know that are. We know that Professor on. Brown is going to return. Uh, We're going to be talking with somebody. Um, I'm working on setting up somebody from the seaport that I've known for a long time that is involved in the restoration of those tall ships. Um, that'll be another one. We're gonna try and get a few more people on we're not gonna name any names in case those don't go through but we, we can name professor brown because he's already said yes <laughs> right but yeah there's gonna be we're gonna have a lot more guests uh it seems like people liked the series format we had uh, some pretty good a pretty good size audience for those and people liked the interviews as well so yeah if you guys want to head over to our instagram the autocorrect podcast uh there's a link there that sends you to our YouTube channel and to the website. Uh, you can sign up for the newsletter there. But uh, I think that's going to wrap up this episode, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.